Recorded live at Toxin Tasting Studios, it's the Clerical Errors Podcast. The podcast that shows you what's behind the collar. Let's go. All right. We are coming to you from the luxurious, wonderful, balmy, uh, Toxin Tasting Studio. And uh, ready for another show. This is like episode, what, 23? Sounds about right. All right. All right. How you doing, Pete? Oh, I'm having a great day. Living the dream. <laughs> Vickers here. This, th- this is uh, Clerical Errors, by the way, and oh, I'm yeah. Berg. I'm Bolligan. <laughs> and the Vickers here, so. Vicker, say hi, Vicker. 16.0's in. All right. We need to maybe do a, an updated terms of service. Of, of agreement or yeah. whatever. Yeah. So uh, I got my beverage here. Someone uh, gave this to me. You ever have anything from... Boulevard Brewery. It sounds familiar, but I uh, unless I see it. All right, let me grab it. Vicker, it's right there. Can you want Vicker? You want to grab it for me? It's right next to you in the the Aldi bag because that's how we roll. Indeed. You got three varieties. You can pick one. Holy buckets. Blonde ale. Cosmic. I oh, I gotta have the Cosmic IPA. Okay. And then there's a there's a dry hopped porter too. Oh, I want that one. I, I, that's, I, yep. You said that awfully quick. I said, wait, 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 wait. You might want to. So, you know, because I like it, things dark and bitter, <laughs> like my soul. <laughs> All right. Let me uh, get mine open. So, yeah, mine is uh, Boulevard. Uh, it's called Space Camper. Monkeys. Space Camper. Did you go to Space Campberg? Uh, I always wanted to. I never had the opportunity. I always wanted to be an ast- astronomer when I grew up, but yeah, I could see you like uh, going to space camp as a kid, and all of a sudden just getting mad and impatient, and <laughs> and then leaving. <laughs> Math was my downfall. All right, let me. All right, all right, Berg. So, uh, mm. so what do you think? This is good. I like mine. This dry hopped porter is really good. It's got the, it's like the Hannah Montana of beers. It's got a nice, uh, IPA, uh, taste to it, but it's, it's nice and dark. <laughs> How is that like Hannah Montana? Cause she gets the best of both worlds. <laughs> Keeping it real. <laughs> All right. So, uh, Bert, what are you preaching on? What's the text again? Mark chapter 7. And uh, what part of Mark chapter 7? 31 to 37, we have Jesus healing the mute deaf man. All right, the mute deaf man. And this is a big moment. This is the first time the vicar app gets to preach on Sunday at Trinity. Oh, snap. He's got the sermon done. It's a good sermon. Nice. Living the dream. Mm Mm-hmm. No, I you know first and foremost, I mean this is a this is a healing, right? Mm-hmm. And Jesus uses stuff to heal this man, right? Mm-hmm. And he uses visible words to communicate with him, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, he actually sticks his fingers in the guy's ears and spits, and you know basically is showing this guy what's going on, right? What he's about to do, and um, this the applications for this are are multi are hey, manifold. Hey, right? Berg, why didn't he just tell him? What? Why didn't he just tell him what he was going to do? 
because he was deaf. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so, yes. Yes. When you're deaf, I love doing that you, you by can't the way. hear. So, yeah. Um, like, oh, jeepers. The, uh, the applications for this are manifold, right? That the sacraments, too, are visible signs. That God doesn't just use our ears to communicate, but he also uses our senses. Like right. water and the bread, the wine. Um, and these things are not just, are, aren't just merely signs, but they actually uh, engender faith. They actually create and sustain faith. So, Vicar, what are you preaching on? You know, that all sounds good. I think he wants to change a sermon. Oh, right? uh, yeah. Where's that copy? <laughs> it's very interesting. A lot of uh, Jesus's recorded miracles don't actually focus on the healing mm-hmm. in the text. He usually focuses on the situation before and then the response after. But this, I think this miracle is unique in the sense that you talked about. It's Mark spends a lot of time describing just how Jesus performs this miracle. And that's really the key thrust of what I'm doing, too, is that that the Jesus who is who gets up close and personal with this man, uh, he gets up close and personal with with sinners today. Yeah, now that's great. Um, I look at uh, how Jesus takes this guy away from the crowds too. I think he did this because of um, they would have misinterpreted it as witchcraft. Oh, that they would have viewed his signs as him doing some sort of wizardry or uh, you know mummery. And so, and I think too, we get accused of that a lot uh, by the Baptists and, and others who think that our sacraments are magic, right? You know, and uh, they they simply aren't that, right? Um, they create faith, right? Mm-hmm. But that faith can be rejected, right? So. And do you have any more comments on it, Vicar? I think your your sermon's good. <laughs> Thanks, Pastor. I'm a little nervous, <laughs> <laughs> but. Uh, the way the the direction that Vicar Vicar takes it is the fact that, uh, um, you know that God isn't our Lord our Lord Jesus isn't afraid to go to our our dark places our, you know or the deepness of our sins and and uh, I think we can kind of keep our all that at an arm's length and kind of a super superficial look without really realizing that that Christ really came to to uh, forgive us of of the things that we even seem to think that we hide from Him if that right. makes sense. No, that'll be awesome. And uh, obviously strong baptism themes, too, as he uses beans to open our ears and open our mouths. Right. And that is one of the older baptismal customs where um, they would actually yeah, touch the tongue and uh, say, Ephrata, be opened. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know. That's uh, how long. Do you know how long ago they stopped using that? I think it started dropping out during Luther's time. Um, his first baptismal rite had a lot of the ceremony and customs still in it, mm-hmm. but then it started to get pared down, um, which would be kind of a fun episode sometime to talk about the exorcism in, in baptism. So, All right. So if you want to know more about that uh, and want to hear about that, uh, Vicar, where can they reach us? They can reach us on Facebook at Clerical Errors, Twitter, Clerical Errors P. At me, bro. For podcasts. And whenever I hear that, though, I, I think of the my uh, dedication P for podcast. And and if you're not a social media person, you can just search us on Google and find us at clericalerrors.org or download one of those podcast apps and you'll find us there. Which one do you use, Vicar? I use Podbean. 
You like it? I do. And it, it notifies me whenever there is a Clerical Errors uh, podcast that has been uploaded. All right. All right. So it brings us to my top 12. Peter, play the intro. Enough nonsense. It's time for Bullhagen's Top 12. So do you have these numbered this time? Um. <laughs> <laughs> you bet. <laughs> you bet. Um, so my top 12 list is this. Uh, uh, do you, you ever list, you have a playlist you listen to once in a while? Uh, yeah, um, yeah, I do. Um, I used to have it more and then I just started downloading music to my phone. So, you know, it all kind of is just like, what do I have downloaded? So, but Cause I have like a playlist that, uh, what remind me of this. Do you is... remember back at, well, I mean, for you, it was different because you had like mixtapes, oh, right? Yeah. You know, where you had your own kind of playlist and stuff. <laughs> well, when I was growing up, it was mixed CDs. So, you know. Oh, that's way lamer. It is. It is. That... It doesn't have quite the same oh, ring to it. Yeah. But, you I mean, know. Okay, speaking of someone who used to make mixtapes, uh, I actually had a friend, Donovan. Shout out to you, Donovan, if you're listening. We actually had, like, in his room, like, two turntables nice. and a mixer, and we'd, we'd actually do a mix on a tape. Wow. And a few times when Julie and I were dating way back in the day, you know, I made, a, like, a, a cassette of, of love songs. Nice. That I, I made for her so she could listen. Do you still have them? Uh, I don't think I do. I Man, don't think I do. That would be that would be so rad. If, it it like, would be amazing. And in fact, I remember one of the songs. I actually, actually played it. I recorded it, and I sang to it to her. Nice. <laughs> You're such a romantic back in the day. <laughs> yeah, I was. I was pretty young. Like, well, this is why you clang and bang in the weight room. So <laughs> that's right. So back to the playlist idea. <laughs> So uh, yeah, I was been working out with my son Jonah. He's getting into the the weight room, and uh, we got a playlist that we listen to of uh, you know some good power music to power you through, mm-hmm. you know. So uh, so I thought I'm gonna do like a power hymn playlist. Nice, I like it. Okay, and so this is how it's gonna work. I'm gonna tell you the power hymn, and then I'm gonna let the Vicar app just. Uh, just to read one of the verses. He could have picked whatever verses he wants. Now, something he probably wished he hadn't told me was that in high school he used to do drama. <laughs> <laughs> make him make him act it out. Make him act it out. Yeah, so don't just read it, Vicar. So so these aren't necessarily like the the best hymns, you know? This isn't a list of these are the twelve best hymns because because then it would not allow me to do another top 12 list on hymns. I got to keep this going, man. <laughs> but, you are right. But these are like, you want to to listen to hymns that's gonna, that are going to pump you up. Mm-hmm. If you if you want to get uh, young men interested in singing hymns, these are the ones that are like, you know? Okay. Like if you want to get like a 14-year-old boy to like, I want to sing hymns. And you're like, okay, sing How Great Thou Art. And they're like, no, no, okay. <laughs> 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 yeah, you know what I mean. So these are ones that kind of so, manly, hair on your chest, so like power hymns. You are going to hem them up. That's right. <laughs> right. This is a hymn booster. Nice. All right. So you're ready. Let's do this. All right. Number twelve. At the name of Jesus. 
So uh, I should have these in front of me because I gave Vicar my hymnal. But at the name of Jesus. <laughs> Boy, I I don't know that one. You don't? No. Is, I, it, a, I think is we, it a Stephen Sturkey hymn? Since uh, he wrote like half the hymns in our hymnal. Did you find it, Vicar? <laughs> you got it. Okay, I'll let you peruse a hymn, a verse that you'd like to sing. I think this is often used, uh, uh, I think it's been sung sometimes at uh, on New Year's. Okay. Because uh, the naming of Jesus, that's where he gets his name at a circumcision. Nice. So, end times. All right. You got a verse you'd like to read for us? Yeah, I'm going to read verse 4. Okay. Now, this is a, this is by someone who is actually trained in... <laughs> <laughs> the dramatic arts. I can't wait. <laughs> Bore it up in triumph with its human light through all ranks of creatures to the central height, to the throne of Godhead, to the Father's breast, filled it with the glory of that perfect rest. All right. You feeling pumped up, Berg? Ooh, I am. <laughs> all right. My, uh, my pecs started twitching. <laughs> <laughs> All right. There we go. All right. Number 11. Let all mortal flesh keep silent. Ooh, yeah. Is that Thomas Aquinas? Um, I don't know. I just, <laughs> come on, Berg. You think what? I did that much research? The Liturgy of St. James. Oh, nice. Rock on. Fifth century. So... They were men back then. Go ahead. Let's hear it first, Vicar. Verse 3. Rank on rank, the host of heaven spreads its vanguard on the way as the light of light descending from the realms of endless day comes the powers of hell to vanquish as the darkness clears away. All right. You know what's hilarious? is that, that That's a communion hymn, right? Yeah. So it should be, let all mortal flesh keep silence and then... Nothing. <laughs> hey, dude, I just... <laughs> See, he keeps talking, right? He's like, right. Let all, let, you guys should all be quiet, and then you keep going. It would be funny is if we had this for the sermon hymn on Sunday. He, he heals a deaf mute. You're like, let all mortal flesh keep silent. <laughs> see, see if anybody notices. <laughs> nice. <laughs> all right. Number 10. Praise the one who breaks the darkness. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's a, that's a good uh, miracle hymn, too, isn't it? For uh, uh, It usually goes, goes along with a lot of the miraculous, you know, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, well, uh, we uh, usually sing this on Good Friday, actually, towards the end of the service. <laughs> the guy's name is Rusty Edwards. That's a <laughs> manly. Man, that's a manly, manly. name. Rusty Edwards. All right, you have a verse picked out? Verse 1. Praise the one who breaks the darkness with a liberating light. Praise the one who frees the prisoners, turning blindness into sight. Praise the one who preached the gospel, healing every dread disease, calming storms and feeding thousands with the very bread of peace. Yeah, manly. Oh. No doubt. So, so you see how these are kind of power hymns? It's true. I mean, they should almost, it's almost like a medieval hairband. There you go. You know? <laughs> yeah, all right. Number nine. 
more familiar one for all the saints. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've got a funeral uh, tomorrow, so um, that's always a nice one to remember. It's very, yeah. See, it, see it, the thing is about these hymns is, you know, yeah, I, I talk about them being manly. You want to sing these manly, too. You want an organ to play them manly. You just want to, for all the saints. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, that, uh, you know, it, they've joined the church triumphant, right? Mm-hmm. Which is amazing. And, uh, yeah, stuff like that we should just belt out. Right. All right, you got a verse picked out, Vicar? Verse 5. Dramatic. Dramatic. <laughs> <laughs> and when the fight is fierce, the warfare long, steals on the ear the distant triumph song, and hearts are brave again, and arms are strong. Alleluia, alleluia. Pretty manly, huh? No doubt. Power him. Power him. We got to reclaim the manliness. Everyone talks about your what's your favorite hymn, and all these. Yeah, all this 18th century drivel. Yeah. and they think those are the old hymns, and it's you know, like you know, some power hymns. You want to make the, you know what I mean? Is that just me? No, I hear you, man. Number eight, built on the rock. Ooh, yeah. What is that? A Borson hymn? He was a Danishman. Built on the rock, the church doth stand. Ah, oh, I believe that's great. 645, Vicar. And didn't you guys sing this for your 100th? Yeah, for our 100th anniversary, we actually commissioned uh, someone to sing, make a choir arrangement for this. Nice. And it's pretty nice. It's pretty awesome. You got a verse there, Vicar? Verse 4. Here stands the font before our eyes, telling how God has received us. The altar recalls Christ's sacrifice and what his supper here gives us. Here sound the scriptures that proclaim Christ yesterday, today the same, and evermore our Redeemer. All right. I was uh, mistaken. That wasn't uh, Borson. It was uh, Grundweg, a uh, great renewer of the church, actually. His hymns, I guess, were way better than his theology. So, <laughs> Number seven. By all your saints in warfare. Oh, yeah. That's, uh, that's a fun one. I'm a big fan of TLH, Rise Again, Ye Lionhearted. Oh, that yeah. That one is awesome. That joyously they take their stand on the arena's bloody sand. Maybe you should do your your uh, list with the top 12 TLH hymns that aren't in our current hymnal. Nice. I should. That'd be awesome. Take that, CPH. <laughs> <laughs> Even though you do give us a lot of good free stuff. Boy, you talk about manly, and then you really can fool yourself. Look at you. <laughs> Take that, CPH. <laughs> Whoa. Uh, too much theology booster. <laughs> we are going to do verse 19. See, if you're a real man, we would sing all 19 verses for you. All right, go ahead. St. Peter and St. Paul, apostles. We praise you for St. Peter. We praise you for St. Paul. They taught both Jew and Gentile that Christ is all in all. To cross and sword they yielded and saw your kingdom come. O oh God, these two apostles reached life through martyrdom. All right. Rock on. Rock on. All right. You like these manly hymns? I, yeah, yeah. They're, they're getting the job done. All right. It makes you want to go like lift weights, doesn't it? Indeed. All right. Number six. Lord, keep us steadfast in your word. How can you go wrong with that? Although they did compromise and make it less manly because it used to be, Lord, keep us steadfast in thy word. 
you know, and restrain the murderous Pope and Turk. <laughs> so, I mean, you know. So you are getting the compromise second draft. So, <laughs> Verse 2. Lord Jesus Christ, your power make known, for you are Lord of lords alone. Defend your holy church that we may sing your praise eternally. Now, if you're listening at home, you, hopefully you're noticing something here, right? I mean, these hymns aren't just like, oh, you know, isn't it nice? Jesus is nice. We're nice. We're yeah, all nice. This the is grass like, is nice, but Jesus is nicer. Yeah. this Or is, the stars are nice, but Jesus is nicer. This is like in your face, defending against evil, defending God's word, putting things on the line. Forgiveness of sins. Warfare. Not, not like we're going to kill someone, but defending the faith. With every breath we have. Mm-hmm. Okay? I mean, we need the... You know, when I talked, we did the the theology booster, it really was a, kind of a parody, but it really is... There was a point behind it, although maybe some may think it took it a little too far. But there is a point there that... that uh, of masculinity in the church, and the type of thing, themes we're singing about of these themes are important. Right. And... Uh, and uh, to teach our young men that this is good and to be defenders of the faith and theology matters. And to use their strength for good. Not that they should um, not use their strength or become like women, but that they should use their strength to defend, to protect, to it, confess. Right, because there's a common idea that you know you use your strength just for sports or just to show how manly you are in, 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 in those ways. Well, really, you know, God made us men and strong and all these things for... These type of things. Well, and Jesus was the true man, right? Right. The only perfect man, and look at how he used his strength. Not to defeat his, well, to defeat his foes, but by losing, by by bearing this load. Number four. Christ Jesus lay in death strong bands. Yes. Do you know who wrote that one, Berg? Martin Luther. An Easter it, hymn. It's a great Easter hymn. Every, every Lutheran parish should sing that hymn on Easter. Mm-hmm. It just it just should be mandatory because it's amazing. What what, what do you think what what makes that a power hymn, a manly hymn? Well, it uh just what it confesses and how Christ has overcome sin and the devil for our sake. Um and the music too is written in such a way that people think that it's depressing, but it's not. These um mo this way of modal music um, is not depressing. It wasn't depressing in the 16th century. It was actually there to show strength, right? Mm -hmm. And so, unfortunately, most people people associate um, being happy or sad with a major or minor key, but that's uh, they've lost um, what the theory of music actually was. All so, right, Vicar, 16.0. Do you have a verse you'd like to, to read for us? Verse 3. Christ Jesus, God's own Son, came down his people to deliver. Destroying sin, he took the crown from death's pale brow forever. Stripped of power, no more it reigns. An empty form alone remains. Its sting is lost forever. Alleluia. You need to read verse 4, though, too. It was a strange and dreadful strife when life and death contended. The victory remained with life. The reign of death was ended. Holy Scripture plainly saith, that death is swallowed up by death. Its sting is lost forever. Alleluia. That's a manly Easter hymn. No doubt. That is manly. We need to reclaim these. No doubt. You know, people say, oh, we're losing men. 
It's because we don't do this, man. Right. We don't sing awesome hymns like this. And we this. don't teach our youth to sing this. Right. You know? Well, and parents, you know, even though you might not be all that uh, confident in your musical abilities, you sing and your kids will sing. Yeah. And you have to lead by example. And some some of you, you might uh, have a pastor who wants your kids to sing these and things like Sunday school and VBS. Let them. It's good for them. Right. You Challenge know? them. Challenge them. These kids can do this. And, and appreciate them. Not only can they do it, they can appreciate these, these and which expresses a faith, not in a way that, that, that teaches that. I mean, if you think about it, right? If you're, if you're a 10 years old boy, right? What kind of music do you want to listen to? Not Shine Jesus Shine or Father Abraham in many sons. You want, you want, and what kind of things do they like to watch on TV? Uh, you know. What kind of movies do they like? Yeah. Uh, They're all like. Action movies, right? right. Avengers. They like and, watching you know? football where guys hit each other. Right. <laughs> I mean, these are, I mean, which is good. That's how we're wired. Right. And, and to teach them hymns that teach these type of things is good. It is good. Number three. Lord of our life, God of our salvation. Is this guy's name Lowenstein? I hope so. That would be an amazing. That's a. That's, that, like, that's a pretty manly name. I think he was a papist, but you know, that's a that's a man. It means lion stone. That'd awesome. be a great hairband name, wouldn't it? <laughs> I love it. You nailed it, Pastor Berg. Stanza two. See round your ark the hungry billows curling. See how your foes their banners are unfurling, and with great spite their fiery darts are hurling. O Lord, preserve us. Eh? Booyah. Manly. Indeed. And just the, the rich imagery mm-hmm. that the church is the ark, right? Mm-hmm. Being oppressed by these satanic winds. And, and you know, the warfare language. Right. You know? All right. Number two. Thy strong word. A Franzman hymn. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. 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 It's a good... Um, it's good for the Gesima Sundays, where the word kind of takes uh, precedence, right, in preaching. So, give us lips to sing thy glory, tongues thy mercy to proclaim, throats that shout the hope that fills us, mouths to speak thy holy name. Alleluia, alleluia. May the light which thou dost send fill our songs with alleluias, alleluias without end. All right. Now, Vicar, I have a question for you, young man. Yeah. Right? What do you think of the list? It Put yourself in a young man's shoes. Do the, these kind of draw you into the theology of the church? Definitely. And, and I think Berg nailed it with, with the imagery that these hymn writers are using, uh, talking about the warfare and, and the spiritual warfare that the church is in as a church militant, and talking about Christ's victory on the cross in, in vivid language, like that Easter hymn. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that we're we're very much in a visual culture, and our our young people are around images more than they are around words, and so I think hymns can kind of be one of the places where we bridge words and images uh, in the church, and we can re- really utilize that for for our youth. So we we shouldn't be afraid to open up the hymnal at a youth event, rather than um, maybe going. For something like Shine, Jesus Shine. Um, yeah. That's... 
that's kind of what I got to say on that. <laughs> All right. Good work. Good work. We got a good app going. No doubt. <laughs> All right. That brings us to number one. Any guesses what number one is? I don't know. I know exactly what it is. Peter, you think you know what it is? I mean, I'm going to let you reveal it, but I know exactly what it is. And number one. It is a little hymn entitled A Mighty Fortress. Nice. Yep. <laughs> Should have guessed it. Were you right, Peter? I was not. Oh! oh. What did you think it was? We praise you and acknowledge you. Oh. Okay. That one's okay, yeah. But, you know, it kind of bugs me that that's... Uh, why would that hymn bug me a little bit? Just a little bit? Because of Jupiter? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because the music is, yeah, yeah, from the planets. Right, yeah. from Holtz. Yeah. And, you know, as one who say, we shouldn't play certain things that are kind of secular, and then the hymn just... Yep. Yep. Good call. <laughs> but, yeah, um, A Mighty Fortress, um, it's... It's so wonderful in so many ways. It's such a wonderful prayer of for deliverance, uh, and it gives such hope of what Christ has done. And also uh, a kind of a triumphal shout that even if everything we have is taken away, even our lives, uh, the kingdom ours remaineth. And just and, amazing. And why do you why would you would you say fitting with our theme? That's a kind of a manly theme. Well, because of just the warfare language scattered throughout, um that uh, the, the great imagery that's in verse 3, um, the little word that fells Satan. Um, yeah, and it's just, uh, it, it's, uh, it's a calm and confident belief, trust in what God has promised us, that the kingdom is ours and it can't be taken away. All right, Vicar, you got a verse? Yeah, stanza 3. Though devils all the world should fill, all eager to devour us, we tremble not, we fear no ill, they shall not overpower us. This world's prince may still, scowl fierce as he will, he can harm us none, he's judged, the deed is done, one little word can fell him. Thank you, Vicar. Well, that brings, that's our top 12 list. What do you think, Berg? I think it's pretty awesome. I think uh, if anybody has any... Uh, comments, critiques, your own top 12 list of uh, manly hymns, awesome hymns. Uh, you should send it to the places that Vicar has told you about. Do you think I should do uh, the top 12 feminine hymns? <laughs> <laughs> you you could. Somebody might not be happy about it. Maybe we'll have Mrs. Bullhagen in for that one. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be funny what you'd find um. and probably pretty sad. <laughs> So. <laughs> this room is filled with what do they call that uh, masculine uh, what's a buzzword toxic masculinity there you go is that what it yeah <laughs> <laughs> so alright that brings us to Berg's bodacious blasphemies Peter play the intro Berg's bodacious blasphemies is the part of the show where Berg seeks to sell you ancient damn delusions by repackaging them for modern consumption in short, Berg makes bad stuff sound bodacious. All right, so our bodacious blasphemy for today is the blasphemy of big numbers, and it's actually based on the text uh, that we're having in church on Sunday. Okay. So, um, so here we go. The Son of Man found a sufferer, 
and was glad to find him. And on that one suffering person, he spent much time. And in that whole strange action of his lies a great sermon. The people expected that Jesus would merely touch him with his hand so that he could pay attention to them and probably give one of those addresses that pleased them all, even if they didn't take to heart what he said. To their great surprise, he takes that blind and deaf man by the hand, as a child will tenderly do, leads him outside the city gates, and when they are alone, spits upon his eyes, asking him, what do you see? And when the man says, I see men as trees walking, Jesus again touched his eyes, and then the man saw all things clearly in their true proportions. The son of David wanted that man to realize that he was indeed his friend, and that it was he that was slowly leading him out of darkness into the wonderful light of day. Jesus spent much time on this one individual. Don't you see that again our friend is telling us a great truth which we so easily lose sight of in our day? We hear much about great numbers. We see people holding the attention of great numbers of men. We often hear that we are to live for the welfare of humanity. We think of great deeds such as will change the course of the world. We think in wide terms. Yes, we at times need the men that can lead and inspire armies. We at times must stand before great numbers of people. But in all this, let's again bear in mind that the son of David spent much time on one sufferer, and just that was a great and strange act. Are you looking for a life that is worthwhile? Spend some time, or much time, on one child. If you have been given but one child, you need not believe that your life has no meaning. We are living in Bethsaida. There are many people in the streets. Many impressions run in upon the child's eager mind and seeking heart. Many, many children seldom hear the invitation. Come, leave the crowd. Let's seek just a little quiet, you and I, and that is all. The child is born with a soul that judges all things wrongly. And, things, and the things that it sees are in wrong proportions. It sees men walking like trees. It admires heroes, all that is sparkling and great. You and I shall lead it into the light of heaven's day, where it sees all men in their true light, all of them as nothing at all before the Lord, only those being of account in reality that walk before their Lord. Surely that is a slow process and one that never ends. It is easy to entrust the child into the hands of pastors that are to teach the child a few dogmatical tenets, possibly the Ten Commandments. But it is a more serious business to take the child by the hand, to lead it through the labyrinth of the streets into this world, to teach it the Ten Commandments, touch its eyes gently, and lead it from vision to vision, from truth to truth, from strength to strength. That requires time, patience, wisdom, love, and self-denial. That is the great life of the Son of Man. Surely, in a day in which people of the world are sensing that the youth of our land are being trained by machines, and that work automatically only to produce as far as they are concerned in their own likeness, we who have a little of the life of our living friend ought to pause and learn a lesson as to true greatness from him who spent much time on one blind man. I must say, Berg, you are a gifted writer. You really are. And I was wrong. This is actually before that text. This is the blind man in Bethsaida, but, you know, I think the point still applies. Mm -hmm. Right. That Jesus spends time with a single person. And he doesn't count it as wasted time or lost time. And I think oftentimes uh, pastors fall into this as much as anybody else, that we tend to look at numbers and statistics mm -hmm. uh, when it is the one, right? Right. 
that if one listens, that if one believes, if one can be led into the truth, if one can be saved, then it's all worth it. You know, I, I actually had a moment today um, uh, where I really thought about numbers. And uh, and that is uh, our secretary w- was uh, updating our our book. Oh, right. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so I, I actually hadn't counted in a while how many funerals I've done since I've been here. And it's it was 149. Wow. 149 funerals. Um, and when I think about that, I don't really think about that number, although it's quite large, you know. You know, it's basically over a third of my congregation. I've buried in a short amount of time. It's a mm-hmm. lot of funerals. But uh, what what comes to me is is each of the individuals, the faces, and the time the I spent in the, the 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 heroes of the faith that uh, um, who kept God's word, so that I can be a pastor here, mm-hmm. because it wasn't just the pastor that kept God's word. It was the people who heard and responded and made sure their pastor spoke God's word. And so so when I think of that, I think of each one as an individual and what a blessing it was for each one. Um, that's why, I don't know if this happens to you, but if there's any Sunday, and my people will tell you this all the time, where I get a little emotional, it's on all states, mm-hmm. is, uh, is when I think about it. Now, sometimes people, churches remember that on the last Sunday of the church year. Right. Um, we do that on All Saints Day. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I think of all the time, to- these heroes of the faith, each one was so important. And, you know, each funeral I do, I do it as though it's my own grandmother, you know, or my own family member. Mm-hmm. And uh, because each one is so important. And, and so when we talk about numbers, you know, uh, that's the old Adam in us that really wants to, to focus on the numbers. Well, the numbers started because everyone focused on one. Right. And and if you look, what was the epistle lesson not too long ago where it talks about uh, the using the, the children of Israel as an example? And it says... Oh, in, 1 Corinthians 10. Yeah. And these things are written so that you may not may learn from from them. Right. And, and the point is this. When you look at the children of Israel, there, there was an idea that we understand that the majority, the numbers, aren't always right. In fact, the majority is usually wrong. Right. And we're living in a time where the majority against Christianity is getting louder and louder, but the majority of those voices are wrong. From a historical point of view, we see that generation after generation, it's not the numbers by which you have truth. It's not the majority that defines truth. It is the Word of God. And uh, to teach that to one, to that one in your own household, or if you, you're a wife or a husband who deal with who of someone who's going through a health issue and it seems like a like a treasury, you know, caring for one individual day after day. What a blessing it is, because that one soul is important. Uh, mm-hmm. Jesus said, "I tell you, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous people who do not need to repent." And so I, I say it with cadence because that's how I teach preschoolers that verse. I actually mm-hmm. teach that to three and four-year-olds. So, but but what the point is is uh, it starts with that one, and so it might be just that one, but that one soul is precious. Right. Of infinite worth, because Christ died for that soul. Right. Christ redeemed that soul. And your work is never in vain. And so 
confidently teach, right? It doesn't even have to be all that much. Um, just a little bit every day and lead them slowly um, and faithfully. All right. Well, thank you, Berg. All right. Awesome. Since we skipped the question last week, uh, we'll be dealing with that question today uh, for, conf- for Confound the Clerics. Peter, play the intro. Confound the Clerics. All right. This question comes from someone named Pat. Pat's a longtime listener. Good to have you with us. <laughs> so uh, we should, in fact, we haven't dedicated the show. I want to dedicate the show to Pat. So Pat, if you're listening, this one is for you. And Pat, <laughs> send us a question. Would you like to hear what it is? Please. All right. The question is, what is the difference between adult baptism in the Lutheran church and believer's baptism? And then there's a second part. What does baptism do when someone already has faith? Okay. So what is the difference between adult baptism in the, in the Lutheran church and believer's baptism? So what, what do you suppose he means by believer's baptism? Someone who is baptized as a believer? Who believes? Yeah. yeah. I would say so, yes. Okay. So I would say that they're the same thing because adults ought not to be baptized unless they have heard the word and believe it. We see this in Acts chapter 2. All those who gladly heard the word and received it were baptized. The same thing in, what is it, Acts chapter 4 or 5? Um, the Ethiopian eunuch, right? Mm-hmm. He believed and then was baptized and says, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And so there... Or you could even go back earlier in, in Acts, to Acts chapter 2, when Peter's preaching his sermon on Pentecost, and the, the, they were cut to the heart, and really, I would say in faith, because not only were they cut by the law, saying, you killed this Christ, but also this Jesus Christ rose. And and so they asked, well, what shall we do? They, Peter, Peter said, be baptized, every one of, every you. One of you. Right. Same thing in Acts chapter 10 with the household of Cornelius. There, we actually see a, like a mini Pentecost where um, the Spirit falls on these believers, not just to give them faith through the words of Peter, but it also gives them prophetic gifts like speaking in tongues in order to show that Gentiles can indeed believe without being Jews and are to be included in the kingdom, which is why then they are baptized by the apostle Peter. Okay, so I think what this this question seeks to do is this: is it, it seeks to understand baptism and uh, how it relates to faith. What does it actually do? Mm-hmm. And uh, and uh, well, one thing we learn in the catechism is baptism isn't simply water only, but it is a water and the word. And that's the thing we look at Romans chapter ten: faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. It is the word of God that creates faith. Baptism in, in babies also creates faith because right. it gives them the Holy Spirit. Because we say that much to, to what people don't understand often is do the infant children, do they have faith? And the answer is yes, yes right? Um, and that's a wonderful thing. Out of the mouths of babes and infants, thou hast ordained strength, as the psalm says. Right. Right. So I think the question also is this. Okay. Let's say, say you're learning about the faith. 
okay? Mm-hmm. And and you believe in that word. Yep. And then uh, and so you have faith in the word of God in the forgiveness of sins, and you haven't been baptized yet. Mm-hmm. What happens? I mean, what I think that's the question because usually theology and and you, mostly bad theology comes from in, comes in the form of the depths of well, what if right questions is is baptism then superfluous? Right? Is it then needless because they already believe? Right? Um, is really kind of the question it seems like that people mm-hmm. would go to. Right? What's the need of baptism if they already believe? Right? Because if faith saves, right? Then why do we need baptism? Well. Well, the thing is, is that um, uh, Jesus says in Mark 16, 16, he that believes and is baptized shall be saved. And we see that the Ethiopian eunuch, who already believes, wants to enjoy every gift that God gives. He says, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And the answer is nothing. Nothing. It's it's no different than saying, okay, um, uh, one thing I think we run into a lot as pastors is, well, I believe about... I believe Christ Jesus and his death for my sins and his resurrection for my everlasting life. So because I believe, I don't necessarily need to hear that. I don't necessarily need to be absolved of my sins. I don't necessarily need to receive the Lord's Supper. Well, that that is the wrong spirit. That's like asking, well, how many times do I have to tell my wife that I love her? Right. And if you have to ask that question... You're a, first of all, you're a moron. And <laughs> secondly, you know, do you really love her? Right. I mean, or it's like asking the question, how much do I really need to know about my kids? So if you have faith and you have not been baptized yet, is my point, mm-hmm. what is your desire going to be? It's going to be to receive holy baptism. Correct. So, Because what is it that condemns? Is it the lack of baptism which condemns or the lack of faith? Right. It's the lack of faith. However, that faith will want baptism. It'll want to cling to it. So I think that also goes into the second question, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what does baptism do if you already believe, right? And I think we see a parallel uh, to this in Abraham, right? Mm-hmm. It says that Abraham believed on God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. And we see this in Genesis chapter 15, I believe, Okay circumcision which was the old testament equivalent of holy baptism doesn't come in until like genesis 19 okay mm-hmm. and abraham is old i mean he's almost 90 i think at that time and his son ishmael is uh is um 17 mm-hmm. when they're circumcised right now I, all i can think about is robin hood men and tights so <laughs> um anyway <laughs> um so the thing is is like what was the point of circumcision Right. Well, we learn about that in Romans chapter 4. Right. Abraham, verse 11, Abraham received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. Right. So there, baptism becomes a seal of righteousness. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, it is um, a great gift that God has given to, uh, to the believer. Right. Uh, not only to create believers out of infants, but also to confirm, and to guarantee uh, the Holy Spirit. Right. And it's something that they can always point to now, and, I and think, grasp onto. And I think the tendency to say that as an adult, you need to be baptized in a sense that you don't have faith until you're baptized. I think I'm getting, if I'm getting the question right. 
what that does is actually it makes baptism almost into a works of righteousness a little bit. Yeah, I would, I would. You say know, it's so. not faith; it's whether you jump through that that hoop. Hoop. Right. Am, am then, I understand that incorrectly, Berg? That's what it seems like to me. Um, because if you cannot have faith apart from baptism, um, well, then I better start running around with my super soaker and start just you know shooting people in the face and baptizing them quick. Right. Well, so. I always thought maybe at uh, at one of the local football games, maybe if there's a rainstorm, just grab like run over to the PA and grab the mic and baptize the whole crowd and the whole mess of them. Right. <laughs> well, I was always thinking, you know, get out like a uh, get like the firemen to come out and just oh. use the hose, you know. <laughs> then they'll really feel it. It'll really make an impression, if you know what I mean. <laughs> All right. Well, very good question, Pat. Thank you for listening, by the way. It's for people like you, Pat, that we do this show. Indeed. Dedicated to you. So if you have a question, a comment, a concern, if you would like to add a hymn to our power playlist, let us know at uh, Clerical Errors on our Facebook page, Clerical Errors P, P for podcast, on uh, our Twitter account, at me, bro. And also uh, email feedback at clericalheirs.org.org. And uh, if you can want to do us a favor, please, you know, Berg did this wonderful thing about numbers, except the thing is we kind of want a few more listeners, don't we? We do. (laughs) It's terrible to say, but, you know. So if you would share this podcast with just one person. Right. You can make all the difference. All the difference. For only 23 cents a day. (laughs) And if you, by the way, I would like at some point soon to uh, get the Vicar app his own microphone. Yes, so, so, so if you've got any extra change to send us. Yeah, if you And Pastor Berg, how will they do that? All right, so I will we will start an Amazon wish list uh with a couple of pieces of equipment so we can get Vicar his own microphone. Vicar would love that, wouldn't you, Vicar? That would be an honor. So, so uh we will put that together and I think we'll probably put that on our Facebook page. Sounds good. Um and uh um, we'll we'll get the ball rolling so that Vicar can have his own because they if you if visually they always have to pass this swivel this mic back and forth. Well, and you can always leave you know suitcases full of unmarked non consecutive bills in front of our homes if you desire. <laughs> okay, there's that. <laughs> Are you just asking people to come and do dead drops in front of your house? <laughs> No, that's not. We're not in this. Yeah, yeah, we're not in it for the money. So, <laughs> if we just would the be... fame and prestige. <laughs> <laughs> Hence the errors on our our name, right? <laughs> that's the truth. <laughs> All right, that brings us to our sticky notes. All right, so it brings us to my top twelve. So, do you have these numbered this time? Um. <laughs> <laughs> You bet. (laughs) (laughs) This is always the stupidest part of our night. I know. Do you remember this? Huh? What? What? Do you remember this? Number seven. By all your saints in warfare. I'm a big fan of TLH, Rise Again, Ye Lionhearted. Joyously, they take their stand on the arena's bloody sand. 
maybe you should do your your uh, list with the top 12 TLH hymns that aren't in our current hymnal. Nice. I should. That'd be awesome. Take that, CPH. <laughs> <laughs> Even though you do give us a lot of good free stuff. Boy, you talk about manly, and then you really can fool yourself. Look at you. <laughs> Take that, CPH. <laughs> Whoa. Uh, too much theology booster. <laughs> what about this number 11 let all mortal flesh keep silent Ooh, yeah is that thomas aquinas i come on berg you think i did that much research you know what's hilarious is that that? that's a communion hymn right yeah so it should be let all mortal flesh keep silence and then nothing (laughs) hey dude i just <laughs> See, he keeps talking, right? He's like, right. Let all, let, "You guys should all be quiet," and then you keep going. It would be funny is if we had this for the sermon hymn on Sunday. He, he heals a deaf mute. You're like, "Let all mortal flesh keep silent." <laughs> <laughs> see, see if anybody notices. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you for listening. Uh, on behalf of the Vicar 16.0 app, thank you for listening. I am Bullhagen. And I'm Berg. And uh, may your mortal flesh keep silent. Thank you for joining us. This podcast is available on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Questions, thoughts, concerns? You can contact us on Facebook at facebook.com slash podcast. On Twitter, at P for podcast, or email us at feedback at clericalheirs.org. Thanks for listening to Clerical Heirs. See you next time.